0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the ninth episode of Talk Local. Today, I was joined in studio with the prominent local journalist, Jerry Davich. Um, anybody who knows Jerry knows that he is a fascinating person and an uh, incredible conversationalist, and this is no exception. Uh, the interview lasts a little over an hour. Um, it's one that I love in particular, uh, so I'll, uh, I'll I'll be definitely looking back at this one and uh, re-listening to it just so I don't miss anything. Um, but again, the uh, conversation goes a little over an hour. I hope you enjoy it. Um, and you can catch Jerry in the uh, Post Tribune once a week, and you can follow him all over his social media stuff. Um, he's, a, he's a heavy-handed con- content writer and does a lot of really cool stuff. So um, without further ado, here is my conversation with Jerry Davidge.
1: All right. Uh, what was my day like today? Yeah. Um, I wrote a column on the death with dignity legislation that's going through the General Assembly right now because I'm in favor of it, to follow the Oregon lore, law. Really? So, yeah. So there's a, um, a state representative, Matt Pierce, down in Bloomington, who put it together, and it's in the General Assembly. It's not going to get voted on, probably won't even get heard, possibly, this assembly, you know, this session. But I wanted to, he wants to start a conversation, and I want to extend the conversation. So I love doing that, and this is a topic I love talking about. Not because of the topic itself, just because people don't want to talk about it so much. But once they do, they can't stop
0: talking about it. That's an intense conversation. It is. Right. Being able to kind of tell yourself when it's
1: time to go. When it's time to go. Physician assisted. You could take the medicine yourself, you know, the the fatal dose, so to speak. And there's a lot of complexities to it. A lot of religious overtones. Yeah. A lot of legal overtones. But I think it's already in uh, Oregon and Washington, D.C. and Washington and Colorado and California. All these states, I think, do it. And Indiana should do it, but of course we're a backward-ass state, so yeah, we're not going to do it it'll for be like another— it'll be another 50. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. It'll be like 20, 25 years from now. A lot of deaths, a lot of painful, <laughs> yeah. slow deaths before we take it up.
0: So what's the con of that? I don't even, like, is it just because, like, uh, when they're getting older, they don't even have the, the right mind, and it's that's kind of a concern? You in mean mind. for <laughs>
1: critics would say that? You mean? Yeah, what's the con? Yeah, well, I think it's a slippery slope, and it goes all against God's teachings and the Bible, too, of course, because it intervenes with natural death. So people who are strictly biblical and scripture-based, they think it should be moments of conception to the last breath, nothing in between. Now, to counter that argument, if you want to be like a prick about it, and agnostic prick, which I have been called, but I, I, have, but I haven't brought this up. But it, you could. You could say, well, with that kind of rationale, then you shouldn't even uh, have a doctor appointment. You shouldn't even have any medical intervention of any kind at all. If you want a natural birth and a natural death, then don't get intervened at all. So it's, it's complex. And well, isn't it, isn't it it's a funny hot debate.
0: how you put your own perspective and semantics in a lot of those conversations? We all do for everything. Everything
1: I say, and I think everything that people say and do, I think is biased, but they don't realize it because they think it's either the gospel or their belief system or facts, quote-unquote, can back it up. But we steep our bias into everything. And most of my columns and all of my Facebook posts and social media stuff is all biased to a certain degree, I think. Even stuff I don't say is biased because I purposely don't say it.
0: So is that something you've picked up on over your years of being a journalist and being just a listener? With people doing that? Yeah, Yeah, we pick and
1: choose. We pick and choose of how we want to represent ourselves and what we choose, how we cherry pick things. We cherry pick the Bible. We cherry pick facts. We cherry pick U.S. Census information. We even cherry pick the quotes we want to say if we're thoughtful about it and kind of premeditated in a way. So people do that. So if you just let them talk long enough, they will explain their life to you,
0: you know, in 10 or 15 minutes. So you're like looking at the world in like a matrix now. I'm you looking, see it in code. No, you know, these, maybe. you know what people are saying.
1: You know, when I do presentations, I tell people, tell guests, that I'm really not uh, a journalist or even really much of a writer, but I just love to study people, and I'm like a budding, aspiring, half-assed sociologist. And I love that. And then I just happen to write about it. So you know, a lot of my news columns are not always newsy, Sometimes I am just impress myself I'm working for a newspaper at all because, you know, I should work for some kind of a sociological magazine like this guy who's just curious about things and he just goes out there and asks a lot of questions and then he writes about it. So it's like half-assed studies that I do in surveys because I'm not an academic person at all.
0: Well, you say half-assed, but I think you're uh, underselling yourself. I'm not at all. Trust me, I'm half-assed. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I am. No I'm ways. old enough to know I'm half-assed. You cannot yeah. talk to as many people as you've talked about and had to focus and synthesize those thoughts without being and be still half-assed. There's no way, man.
1: I d- Maybe I'm half-fast.
0: <laughs> Maybe that. I'm just slowing down. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> and so from a journalistic standpoint, is that so that curious part of it, what makes you so curious about people? Is it just from the... how? Many different versions of people there are, and figuring out those stories. Or I think we're just... a fatally flawed species, and I love to watch us tick. Really, I do.
1: Yeah. So I just I'm fascinated by people, how they act, what they do, why they do it, how they do it, when they do it. I've been like that since I was a kid. I just didn't realize that I could write about it. Because even when I was a kid, I was asking these kind of questions. Nothing much has changed. When I was a teenager, I was rebellious, and I thought I was an atheist at the time, and antagonistic you know i used to wear a shirt that says god who on the front and the back it says fuck religion <laughs> you know i'd walk around just to get a dialogue going you know oh yeah and, that's and confrontational they, that's, i did i'm not like i'm not like that anymore no yeah
0: well it's very punk it's a very I, punk mentality I, guess,
1: I looked at i viewed it maybe as intellectual punk more than like physical musical punk i guess but it was just again bullshit half-assed punk <laughs> I have to preface that with everything I'm doing here.
0: You don't want to go full in. You don't want to full call yourself a punk. You don't want to full call yourself a sociologist. No, I can't. It's, it's It'd be a lie. It's a pre- I'm a pretender at best. <laughs> yeah, I've been
1: faking it till I make it uh, all my
0: life. So I've got, f- from a sociology standpoint then. Yeah. So when you see something like a terrorist attack or like uh, someone, one of these uh, guys who kind of go lose their mind and shoot up in like the Aurora shooting. Okay. Do you, I'm just curious from a pers- like a personal perspective, Do you see that as something that like we're all capable of and what kind of, if you were to kind of be the journalist of that, would you meet with him and start to try to figure out maybe a lesson for humankind of how to kind of get to that or is there just a chemical imbalance sometimes?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think something just a haywire goes wrong. I don't, I think is it all in in all of us? Probably not. No, I don't think that's true. I mean, I have a, like a vicious temper (laughs) personally, so I've seen myself go off and then go, who the hell was that guy? And that guy was me. So, I mean, maybe have you done that, Alan? Yes. So there you go. So we don't like to maybe talk about it or address it or reveal it. But man, sometimes I wonder who the hell was that guy? And that guy was me who did that or acted that way. Oh, yeah. So I don't think I can go to that point where I'm going to reel off and get an Uzi on top of a tower and start popping people and say, I don't like Mondays. You know, it's not going to be that. But I do think there's there's a seed inside of us or something inside of us that's kind of dark and mysterious. And I'm I'm always curious about that. I love doing jailhouse interviews with people, Hmm. like after they commit a crime. Like I've interviewed murderers. in in the prison and I just love sitting down like I'm doing with you I'm sitting across the table they're not locked up nothing like that and we're in a small little room kind of like this and I'm just asking these questions like what were you thinking when you pulled the trigger what did you think when you had that rope around this guy's neck what were you thinking you know these are questions I'm really curious about
0: and so that's something you'll just attack in those, uh, those conversations
1: I do but then I will start off with you know nice lollipop like you're doing with me, lob ball questions, <laughs> no you way. know, um, no. just, you know, asking nice city questions to break in. I don't want to intimidate anybody or offend anybody, including yourself. So, you know, I'd be happy to ask about this room and this house and your wife and, and your start and, you know, 219 and all that. But then eventually maybe sometimes my TikTok and my head goes off in like three or four minutes and I just have to ask other questions. And if you're sitting across from a murderer, what do you want to talk about? Right. The murder. I do. I don't care what he's wearing So that when day. did it stop?
0: When did you snap? That's, yeah, <laughs> that's something like that. Or that, how did yeah.
1: how you get there? Or So that just fascinates me. I think those kind of dark issues that we whisper about in society, I like yelling about. And I really find it fascinating. So I'll talk about those kind of issues just for that reason. Just If people were talking about it a lot, and I go, eh, it's kind of boring and passe, I don't care anymore. Hmm. But they're usually not. So I like talking. That's why I was joking earlier when I first talked with Martin on the air on my radio show. I didn't mean to like attack, <laughs> quote unquote, Quote, attack him in any way, or ask him questions about advertising or the Mad Men thing. I was just curious. These are things that I'm curious about, and he was like the perfect person that I found that I could ask that question to.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, he's such a like. He's a student of the game too, so it really exactly. helps when it comes. And plus, to
1: I know that. if somebody's all polished and charming, I, mean, I interview a lot of politicians, and they just bore the hell out of me because they're so polished and charming. I have to get through that. It's like wax on wax off for like 30 minutes just to get through a real answer because they're so used to their rehearsed responses oh yeah
0: and how do you break through that i mean you're a seasoned interviewer so and in, in what i mean is it something that just kind of comes to a some kind of epiphany one day or is it just kind of like a, a when i'm talking with somebody yeah this is just a skill that just kind of keeps getting sharpened over time oh
1: i don't know if it's sharpened at all to be honest it's kind of a dull edge i just drive so you're a half ass interviewer there too, you go thank going. you now you're learning <laughs> The real Jerry just. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> just a big ball of half-ass. A big ball of half-ass. That's exactly what I am. Yeah, but you know, I'm a hustler. I always tell you know people, I'm a hustler. I hustle. So, so that hustling has helped. Remember Dennis Rodman playing for the Bulls? Yeah. Ninety percent of his game, I thought, was hustle, and ten percent was like talent and size and athleticism. He was just hustle. So I like to be a hustler.
0: And so when you hustle, what is your hustle game for interviewing then?
1: Uh Just to get the answers I kind of I want or I want the people that they think they want to convey to me. Because like when you interview a politician,
0: mm-hmm. like
1: when you interview maybe an advertising expert or they want to pass along to you what they want to pass along to you, right? And sure. not much else besides that. So I want I'll listen to that and then I want some I want something back from me. Like when you're interviewing me right now, you want something back from me. Or you want a takeaway. What's the takeaway Alan's getting from your chat with me? And I have the same way. What's my takeaway from somebody so I could write about it. Because generally I think I'm going to write about everything I'm talking about, everything I do. And usually if I don't write about something, even on social media, I feel like I didn't validate it enough and it didn't exist if I didn't write about it. So I need to write to reflect that I actually experienced this experience. Does that make sense? Yeah. And if I don't write about it in some form or fashion, even if it's a blurb on a blog or a social media post or a 3,000 word dissertation or a magazine story, then I feel I didn't experience it. So when I'm talking to somebody, I... I'm asking questions specifically so I could write about it.
0: So in a way, you're almost kind of interjecting yourself into the story by being the documentarian. I am, I guess, but I didn't really articulate like that. (laughs) No, but that's interesting, though, because I I never really looked at it that way. I mean, especially when it comes to, like, it's, I guess, being the spectator to the participant. And it's really interesting that that when you consider yourself a hustler, because one of the things Martin and I have talked about is how much, like, content you just create naturally. And you're always posting and you've always got something kind of tick going, you know, and it's, it's, it's impressive from an outsider. And if you're, if you look at yourself from that hustler side of it, but you're also looking at it as a participant, which is really interesting because I never even looked at it from that perspective. Well, I am a participant, but oddly
1: enough, I'm not much of a participant. I'm more of a spectator. Even when I do participatory things with things, with people and groups and organizations, I'm never really participating. I'm always observing. And then I write about it, but by writing about it, I make myself a participant, but yeah. it's kind of a professional eavesdropper of participant. That's what I do. I mean, I really don't want to interject with people and talk and chat for a long time. I, I join no organizations. I'm not a form of any groups. I don't really like play reindeer games very well because I don't like all the rules and regulations and all the bullshit that comes with it. Right. So I'm always off to the side a bit, but I'm always kind of taking notes, taking photos, taking a video, and then just kind of capturing it. I like capturing, capturing us. I like capturing us how we do things
0: well you've been capturing so you've got the post that you've been doing you've been you've been doing a newspaper for a very long time 20 years 20 years yeah. and so you've probably seen everything this region on one side mm. of the other. you know
1: oddly enough I really haven't and and I always think that people one of the biggest questions the most common questions I'm asked is how do you come up with your material and don't you run out of column ideas mm-hmm. or even social media ideas or magazine ideas and I, I never do I have a list in my car. I, while I'm driving, I keep a list. I also do it digitally in my phone. I have a running list of at least five to 10 columns I'm working on every week hmm. that I'm either gonna publish this week or I'm gonna put off till next week. I mean, if I brought it in with you, I could send it to you. I have all these, just ideas I'm just curious about. That's all, I mean, have okay, I got an idea this morning that was, um, somebody mentioned to me a bait shop. Garen, um, my wife, uh, works with somebody and says, she goes to a bait shop to get stuff. And the last place I want to go, that'd be like my Dante's Inferno of Hell, is to walk into a, an effing bait shop. Okay, and same I, here. And I've been in there once just for an interview. I had to interview somebody once. He wanted to meet at a bait shop in Portage. So I said, fine, I'll meet you wherever you want to go. I mean, I, if I meet in prisons, I can meet in a bait shop. But I i didn't, you know, the last place I'll ever go is a bait shop. So that's the place I want to go next week for a column. Like, who goes to a bait shop? I don't know. And what what's what, what the takeaway of that? I'm just curious with people, who people go there. It's a whole subculture of things. Some guy gave me a book last week about Roy Boy, the tattoo artist. Have you heard of Roy Boy? No. No? Uh, Roy Boy Cooper was his name. Uh, he owned a tattoo place on Broadway in Gary called The Badlands, and he had live tigers, and he would raise the live tigers in cages there. and In Gary. In Gary. It's on Broadway. Still there. Uh, the building is probably still there. Okay, I don't know so if the it's signage is there because he's dead. Okay. Um, his wife, Deborah, is also a tattoo artist. She had another place called Roy Boy 2's. That was in Lake Station. And their son, Cody Cooper, all had another tattoo place, and he died in a motorcycle crash a few years ago. So Deborah's still alive. Roy Boy is gone. His son, Cody, is gone. But I didn't care about tattoos. I didn't care so much about Roy Boy. But he would invite me to his place, the Badlands, and I would go there and just hang out for a while because there's a subculture of people there that I found fascinating, There's that word fascinating again. (laughs) So um, I found it fast, so I wanted to write about it. So I didn't care about tattoos. I didn't care so much you know, per se about Roy Boy or getting a tattoo or piercings, but that culture of people and the culture of attitude there was very fascinating. So this guy just happened to put out a book just like last week and he sent me a copy of it to read. And I'm thinking of writing a column, not so much about the book, although I'll mention the book and that'll please the author. But sometimes when I write things, Alan, people don't like what I write because they think I'm going to write one thing and I come out with another. Like I pour things into a blender and then I pour it out and it's not what they, the taste isn't what they wanted. Sure, sure. And that just happened recently.
0: I've had those experiences myself as a baseball guy. Um, You get these uh, press, like, you know, the the, um, journalist comes to you after the game. Right. They ask for a quote. Right. And then you realize that it's just totally mumbled. And by the time you see it in the paper, you're like, I didn't say that. And then so it forces you to talk in cliche oh. moving forward. And that's not fun either. No, you know, no. And so it feels now, now it's becoming a chore. Yeah. And so you just said that you've you just had that happen recently, though.
1: Uh, oh, nice turnaround there. That was, that was, that was a sweet
0: <laughs> pivot point. Yeah, I
1: like that. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> you were right yeah. there and it came right back to me again. <laughs> Um, no, it, it happened recently. I was invited to cover some kind of event for MLK Day, and mm. I covered this wonderful event where I generally got touched, and that's rare for me to get touched when I do something. To be honest, it was these kids who were learning how to give back to their community. It was a bunch of um, young uh, black kids in Gary giving back to the community in honor of MLK for a, you know MLK Day. And I went there and I loved it. I wasn't planning on writing about it. And I wrote about it. But the guy who invited me, who was one of the speakers, I think he was disappointed in my column because I didn't either mention him enough or focus on him uh, or whatever it was. But that wasn't what I felt when I went there. I felt these little kids. And I felt this spirit of what I'm thinking Martin Luther King Jr. would have liked 50 years later to pass on to these kids. Sure. So I wrote that. And I liked the column a lot. I'm, I'm happy with it. But I you know I didn't get the, uh, the feedback I thought from this guy, so to speak. So that's how it works. People invite me thinking I'll write about something they have in mind, like you. That's why when I walked in, I go, Alan, what should I talk about? And you said, just be you, which is tough for me to do because I'm schizophrenic. But my point was, is that what are you looking to extract from this? I don't want to disappoint you. So when I cover something and sure. I write about it, this is my experience. My bias seeps into whatever I write about. And I guess I, I walked into that school event on Monday, and this guy was had one interpretation or expectation of me. But I walked out with something totally different, and that's what I wrote, and that's what I felt. Interesting. So I don't want to do the same with you.
0: Well, I guess if I have any kind of goals of a takeaway, it's for people to kind of um, get to know your personality and how fascinating it is. Because you've got a great story. And for somebody who is – and, like, I can only relate to it from, like, my business side of things because um, I'm putting in a lot of hours, you know. And so something has to fuel that. And um, it doesn't feel like work. And for me, a passion side of it is because of my – my, my love for the for the community and what I want to kind of change this and put my mark on it and not to be like the the stepbrother anymore that no everyone's here for dreams to die uh, I want to kind of show the cool and right. the, the interesting and the 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 fascinating uh, people that are in this community and and start to kind of take that and maybe kind of make the world a better place in one capacity or the other what you know as, as cliche wow. as that is that sounds you know? wonderful well we'll see that's
1: not my path at all my path I think was based on fear not love. Really? I think so. A well, fear of like losing a job, that's what got me into this business in the first place.
0: Really? So that that fear is kind of what drives you a little bit.
1: Well, still does. Yeah. Really? I mean, I'm a, I'm a scrambling hustler type, so I have a fear of either, you know, not doing what I want to do and not having the privilege of what I do for a living. Even when I started this 20 some years ago, it was I was working in a family food business and and for like 20 years I was doing that, and I was getting burned out and I thought of just doing something different and I thought we were going to lose the family food business. And I go, what am I going to do now? So that's when I started doing the cartooning thing and then doing some writing. And then I went to Purdue North Central in Westville to take some classes just to spark some uh, I knew we in had it
0: for kindred spirits, I went there. Oh really? I I knew it.
1: No, I don't about that. (laughs) Once again, I don't want to be a part of that institution either. To be honest, I was there just for a cup of coffee, just enough to to write my first column, um, which was when Kurt Cobain committed suicide.
0: Oh wow! Remember that? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I was I was twelve, but it was one of those that was like, holy shit. That was a genesis. I mean, that was a crossroads of pop culture. There it was. You know, and you you felt that one—the Kurt Loader being on MTV, telling everybody what's happening. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a real thing. When that happened,
1: I wrote a column about that for one of my classes at. Purdue or Central I was taking just like as an English thing or something mm-hmm. about another rock and roll star took his life for this reason for that reason kind of thing I thought it was a crossroads of sorts for pop culture like you said and the professor says well, why don't you um, hand it in and put it in a newspaper or something for a column so that's my first column but I didn't even know it was a column back then no kidding it was just like an assignment or something so that's what got me rolling.
0: And that's what's interesting is that you didn't start off as like this guy who was like growing up and you were always going to be a journalist. It's like no. that's, you've kind of taught yourself the trade, which yeah, is really Yeah, I knew impressive. nothing
1: at all. And I, you know, like I told you, maybe when we met before is, you know, mm-hmm. I, I mean, even in, in high school, I didn't care about, I, I mocked the school newspaper and people who were quote unquote journalists or writers, a big joke to me. And of course they mocked me because I never graduated from high school. So that's, that's another facet of me that I, that's why when I went to PNC, I just took some classes to see how I would do because I was in my early 30s at that
0: point. And so your first, where was your first uh, article written? Where was it? Where was it published?
1: Uh, well, besides the Kurt Cobain thing. Yeah. Um, okay. I was doing some political cartooning. Okay, cool. Okay. And cool. handing those in for the local newspapers, the Post and the Times.
0: So you're doing the illustrations. I
1: was doing illustrations. <laughs> Interesting. And I was making fun of things like I do now, but I was doing it visually with images because okay. I thought that's, that's all I had. I could draw a little bit. I, I doodled in high school. That's how I got through school. I was just doodling. So um, remember when the um, the casino boats came to this? You wouldn't remember. Casino nice. boats came to this region, and one of the first one was uh, the one in Gary, and Trump maybe owned it or not. So I drew a cartoon about it. But if you recall, and you don't recall, so I'm going to remind you, I yeah, guess. Yeah, please, fill me in. Is that... Um, when the first casino boat came to Gary, they didn't want to put Gary on the moniker of it. They changed it to Buffington Harbor because it sounds a lot like, not like Gary. So it's come to Buffington Harbor and win win it big here. So I drew a cartoon about that. It was a welcome to Buffington Harbor and our homicide rate is lower this year than it was last year or something like that. And I drew a cartoon about that and handed it in. So that's how I got rolling.
0: So that's the first one.
1: That was one of the first ones. It was, (laughs) incredible. Yeah, so I went, I handed it into the Times and the Post. And I think the both were paying me like 25 bucks a pop for a cartoon back in the day. And that's I was doing that just for fun, for gas money. I was already working in the family food business. I had two kids already at that point in diapers, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So um, one day I was handing a cartoon in at the Times newspaper. And one of the editors asked if I wanted to cover a story for them because they couldn't find somebody to do it.
0: Really? That's how it started. So you're in the bullpen, you come in, you start throwing ched. You're throwing gas on the mound. No, no gas at all. Right.
1: <laughs> so I didn't know what to say. I didn't want to say no, though. I said, sure, I'll give it a try. So they, uh, the editor says, okay, this weekend we're going to send you down to the... this. As I, I was a Gary boy, and they sent me to Couts, Indiana, which mm-hmm. I never heard of Couts, and it was for a pork fest. So my first official story like for the Times was, was sent down there at pork fest, and I didn't know how to type, and I still can't type to this day, not properly anyway, after thousands of stories. So you're a finger guy? Finger guy, yeah. Okay, yeah, right, yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. Some of the smartest people I know are finger guys.
1: That's a weird thing to say, but okay. <laughs> um, so uh, so, I, <laughs> so actually, I wrote this this uh, story on this uh, pork fest, and I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what a lead was or a nut graph. I couldn't use a computer. I didn't know how to type, nothing. I just wrote from the heart, and they said, okay, it looks okay, let's write another one. So I wrote another one, another one, they sent me different places and a few hundred stories later they hired me full-time back in 1997 i think
0: wow so that's we're talking three years from the cobain piece to being a full-time writer i
1: guess so yeah just a lot of learning on the fly and showing up places you know it's like that old woody allen quote 78 percent of life is showing up or something i just kept <laughs> i just kept showing like okay, i showed up here yeah, yeah i'm here that's all happens. i can guarantee for sure as <laughs> i showed up
0: and so if the the one thing that i would like to touch on from a journalistic standpoint is how much anxiety came into um i guess showing your stuff for the first time that you know the public was going to see? Because that's uh, an intense moment.
1: It is, and it still is. I mean, really? I put myself out there. Yeah, of course. And and half the people who read my stuff are mad at me. So when I enter a place, and if people do recognize me, and, and they do sometimes, I never know if they want to like pick a fight with me, argue with me, congratulate me, hug me. I really don't know. And I could tell... You know, I can I can divide a room. Sometimes people will just walk away; they won't even give me eye contact. Really? Yeah. And is that is so like, that's me putting my that's put me putting my opinions out there? Is there certain stories in particular that kind of create that? Of course, if I talk about any of the um, high controversy, like abortion, this death with dignity that I'm going to be writing about. Actually, I wrote it; it's running in Friday's Post Tribune. Oh, awesome. I wrote it last night, so that's going to divide people. They're going to get mad at me or embrace me, so to speak. Uh, abortion, politics, Trump these days. Um Trump's gay a big one. gay rights, uh you know, the transgender issue, which I write about a lot for that reason. So I, I love embracing these things. And yeah. I really don't care if people like it or not. My biggest compliment is if they read my stuff and they said that it prompted them to think about something or question something or whatever. I don't want somebody to read it and just put it down and go, meh you know <laughs> nothing that's the last thing i want just silence yeah that's the last thing i want so i don't mind putting myself out there for that
0: and you do you do your column is more of an editorial right so you get a chance to kind of just be opinionated and it talk is. a little bit about your you're not showing you're not afraid to show your bias inside those columns
1: no i'm not but um i'll bet half of my columns don't even show my bias but they're not really opinion columns they're just news storytelling experiences something that i want to just share like i want to capture a moment that's really important to me is to experience something and I capture it correctly right, yeah. without my bias into it. And it's hard to do. Like I was invited to fly with um, in an F-17 or F-16 for the Gary Air Show.
0: You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I met with Joey Laxalinas on Saturday and he said you, you invited him. I did. I, I connected <laughs> him for that. Yes, you're <laughs> yeah, right. That's so funny. Yeah, right. I think it's a
1: great experience. And if you're a shooter, a photographer, then I thought he would love it. So that's why I invited him. So I've done this several times. I've flown in, you know, all these different vessels and aircraft helicopters. I did skydiving. I, the Golden Knights um, skydiving, and uh, this, well, either way, it was at the fabulous, the Thunderbirds, U.S. Thunderbirds, okay, mm-hmm. Air Force. And they asked if I wanted to fly in this F-16 um, upside down, and all around, and then they had this G-suit on me, and I had to practice how to breathe, so I didn't pass out. So the whole time I was doing this, it was like a cool experience, right? And when I tell guys, they're all geeked up, whoa, you're so lucky. But the problem for me is I had to write about it. I couldn't just do it. Anybody could do it. Right. Yeah. I had to capture it. So that's my challenge—is capturing things. I don't doing things. are like it's only half the fun. It's like big deal. I did it. Yeah, like,
0: I gotta capture it. Well, how do you capture? Uh, that's one of the problems I have when it comes to the interviewing process. Is that when I'm in these conversations, I'm not exactly taking notes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you're recording, aren't you? We are recording, but now that means I have to go back and like really kind of. Oh yeah, I don't take many notes either. So,
1: I, I used to take written notes. Now I don't. I only take written notes for things that maybe come up. Like if I was interviewing you, I would say what you're wearing and what's behind you, and what's your environmental around you. Like, what, what matters to Alan, and why do you have it in this room right now? Yeah. And I'd write that down. I don't care what you say, because that's recording on my iPhone. Gotcha. But it's what you feel. Or if you're like avoiding me, or if you're not looking at me, your eyes go down a lot, I would write, you know, he's avoiding eye contact. Or really? his handshake is like a vice grip. Yeah, I write these things. These, Interesting, And yeah, what would like that tell? What would that tell from a from it just sociological a, it's, profile? It's like just a character perspective of who you are, who I am. Like, if you ever talk to somebody, and they keep looking away? Yeah, you ever do that. I'm, I'm, it's a weird s- thing to. And I do it. I get that. You know, pretty consistently. I'm
0: so guilty of that. I'll I'll sit there and when someone's pain, like talking, yeah, I will stare them right in the eye and listen to every single word they're saying. But this like in second, a creepy way. No, well you you tell me. Has it been creepy? It could be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> because there's a, there's an amount of eye contact you want to have. It's natural. That's free flowing. Yeah. Not planned because I'm Alan and I'm interviewing this guy and I got to give him all my attention. But wait, there's a squirrel over there. Or there's a woman walking over there. Or there's a song on the radio. Or I'm just kind of casually looking around your place right now. Yeah. There's a real thin line, I think, of how to not do it correctly, but how to be natural.
0: Well, I this is not just an interviewing technique. This is something I do full time. It's I, who you are. Yeah, and I've even had people, uh, Regina, Regina uh, Biddings Moreau. She's a chancellor at Purdue. And I've heard of her. She's an awesome person. If you ever get, if you do get a chance to like, you know, hang out with her, she's great. Um, and she was like one of the things that, she, that really stood out to her. She's like, you know, I, when we cause she's like a mentor of mine. We meet like once a quarter just to kind of go over my goals and what's happening and, um, that's the first thing she told me. She's like, you know, there's one thing I want to tell you that one of your greatest skills is how just like focused you uh, are. and You, when people you laser are in. Yeah. And I, and I really because I, I share that sociological curiosity. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the English background I have when it comes to just doing a ton of reading. Right. Not a great writer, but more of a better reader and understander and synthesizer than right. I am of actually putting pen to paper. Um, but I just find it fascinating of how we're all kind of in this universe, but we're all operating and it's on our own. True. You know, and so to kind of get that perspective and from like a guy from your background, it's why I just have such a level of respect for journalists is because they're doing that on such a a, a level that is like, it's kind of like the stage, you know, it's the professional stage. It's like, it's, it's one thing acting in your bathroom and singing along it's another thing doing it in front of a packed house of 200 people and you're getting to kind of perform on that stage and how that kind of uh, that mentality kind of you know seeps in and what makes that person tick it's just fascinating to me because there is that level of anxiety mm-hmm. even with what we're doing here it's i like, have it now really i have it all the time oh yeah even when i do interviews i still have it oh yeah when i took over the uh, student newspaper um i remember posting my first article and just freaking out the entire night before that people um, are actually going to read this thing yeah and what they're going to think of you the and next what they're day to think and they're going to pass you and look at you and what are they thinking when they look at you yeah, yeah yeah it's the same thing with this man this has been one of the most like uh mental crazy breakdowns ever because you go into it and it started off as just like a a fun way to document and participate in conversation right and then as it pers- as it goes on you start to like man you sound like an asshole on, on here and then you look like a fat dick you know so it's just like one thing after the other but it's all playing in my mind you know and that's what makes it so I guess I don't know it's kind of a confounding conundrum of sorts because you want to
1: be here and put yourself out. But then when you put yourself out, you're going, eh, maybe I should not have done that, right? Right, right. Like repeatedly. Yeah. And then yeah. like even
0: with like you say that you get like um, noticed and you get, um you know, uh, people like, oh, I know, I could recognize him. Right. And it, even that is like a weird thing. I don't know how to deal with any of that. And I don't, it, it's really, f- it's it's part of the artistic truth for me. That's really, I guess, conflicting mentally. I see. You I'm know. full of confliction. Yeah. Is that a word? Did I just just coin a word? You might have. Confliction. Well, we got to put it on the wall. We'll look
1: it up. (laughs) But I like, I have a lot of conflicts. I'm a walking, like, you know, conflict.
0: How do you deal with it when it comes to your writing and like the the subjects that you're studying and researching?
1: Oh, I just try to reveal it and be honest about it. I think a lot of my stuff, sometimes like, I forget what I write sometimes, like how personal it might be until somebody says, damn, I can't believe you said that about yourself or your family or your fears or your life my mom has told me that like what are you doing you know because I'll write things about like my dad or my experiences or you know my romantic relationship or whatever and it is pretty revealing and I just kind of forget that when I'm writing that's why sometimes when I write I like to be in just like a a tunnel by myself and I'm just kind of tapping away because if I overthink it too much and think who's going to read this and what are they going to think about it then it kind of alters what I want to write. Does Hope, that make sense? Yes. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And when you put because yourself I, out
0: there like that, how much do you censor yourself and pull the reins back? Do you do it at all? Well, yeah, I
1: have to because I think me just
0: raw would be very offending to some people. And I don't want to
1: offend people, just generally speaking. I want to provoke them. Mm-hmm. I want to tap people on the shoulder a little bit, but I want to push them down. <laughs> it's like I think Bob Hope says, "I, you know, I, I needle people, but I don't draw blood. I, and I'm kind of the same way. I mean, I don't – I want people to think about things. I want to – kind of tap you on the shoulder and go, Hey, do you think about this? Yeah. You believe this? Really? Are you sure you believe that? Why do you believe that? Tell me, you know, that kind of thing. But I never want to like get in somebody's face and I'm not confrontational at all. I'm not an activist. I don't do any kind of demonstrations publicly, nothing like that. Really? I just don't care. Apathy (laughs) runs really deep in me.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, I can definitely relate to that too. Apathy? Um, Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm not very good at, at, at explaining my emotions and expressing them. Uh, it, like I, uh, it, it's really one of those difficult times for me to like give people like the do that I feel like they should get.
1: You mean in personal private conversations or yeah. public
0: ones like this? Uh, both really. Really? Yeah. Why are you so cryptic? Why are you so, why it's are you a, hiding it? It's a great question. I what wish are you scared I knew. of? I don't know. Must be
1: fear-based, right?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: I think most of life is fear-based.
0: Maybe it's the, maybe it's the fear of being, um, uh, I guess too overexposed.
1: It's you feel guarded. you're too
0: overexposed? No, I think it's the fear of why I kind of hold things back. Oh, you don't want to be overexposed? Yeah, and I think that emotional side of it sometimes is really tough for me because it, it definitely is going to make me feel overexposed. I see. And so, um, what, what I find myself happening, and I don't know, it's the older I get, this happens, but. Um, How old are you now? 35. 35. Yeah, and I can tell you the day it cracked for me, when the psychological aspect of me was uh, when we won. I was a pitching coach at the baseball, uh, high school baseball team, Andrean, you know, and we won the state championship in 2009. And the tears of joy in that moment um, really just kind of oversensitized me moving forward. So now, even now, it's like I can just in a moment just start getting teary eyed. Thinking of that moment? Think, that, no, just thinking that of the, thinking of the love and the like the the camaraderie and like the um, even like uh, we did this so we launched that beer contest last week right and we were doing a Facebook and Instagram live and just by talking about the the job the team did was uh, it's doing it right now it's actually getting me it got me a little emotional about it because it's just while it's my thing it's like I'm more proud of what they're doing you know is that how you just deflect it so you don't get so emotional though
1: like put it on them and not on me no I think that's what
0: makes me emotional. And then by putting it on them, not yeah, on you. Yeah, because it's just I, I really, I really, you know, hope for the best for everyone. And so when you see things like that, and for me, it's like you get these tasks together, you know, and to see everyone working in one unit and kind of putting it all together is just so inspirational for me. And so it just, it just gets me. Huh. It's very uh, weird other world, isn't it for you? Yeah, yeah. It happened. Uh, so we go to service at uh, Faith and mm-hmm. and uh, Cedar Lake last Sunday. Man, I was like a mess. I have no idea why. I couldn't even tell you. Did something trigger it? I don't know. Yeah, it was just like they were up there playing the songs and it's like I could feel myself. I'm like, I'm gonna cry right now and I don't wow. even know idea why. Wow, that's a gift, Alan. Pff, I, I, <laughs> no, it's
1: a gift, it really is because it takes a lot for me to, to cry. You'd have to really, I don't know what it would take to be, I mean, it would take like a death, I think, a local, you know, somebody close to me dying to have tears like that. I would not just but sit in church and hear a song and just start weeping or something. And I can't think of the the team coming together and oh man all of our team played really well and we're doing great or you know we pulled oh. off this project together because I'm kind of a lone wolf so I don't really have that feeling either so it's a gift really don't lose mm. it and don't be scared of it
0: well it makes me feel like you a should pussy, embrace it you know yeah but that's, that's, but
1: that's social expect that's social stuff putting on you that's not who you are yeah, yeah that's true, true it's a reflection of society not a reflection of you so you don't want to lose that that's a great gift I'm sure your wife, is with you part for that reason because that is who you are that is your being that is who you are and she loves that about you and she wants to nurture it not hide it
0: yeah i don't even know if i show her that that side very often you Um, should yeah she would view that as a gift
1: you know all the gifts you've given your wife the last however long the years you've been together yeah nothing would pale i mean nothing would compare to this gift you give her i think if you gave her that gift yeah I'm just saying. I'm thinking. I could be wrong, but I'm yeah. just guessing.
0: Well, I'm sure she would love to see me open up more. I can tell you that, um, especially since we've started this thing. I've kind of been closed off and just really been not kind of in my world. Not you mean this world me. right here? Yeah, this world. This is part of the world. The, the, a lot of it is just kind of the, the planning. Maybe you created this world just so you could have an outlet for that world that you keep hidden. Personally, oh, that's fascinating. That would be, yeah, that's, that's the inception. Maybe that's it is. Intent. Oh man, I I knew this was going to happen. I called this on Sunday. What'd Jerry. you call? I called it. I I said when you were uh, crying at the church. <laughs> it was after that, wasn't it? <laughs> no, it's going to sound like I'm crying right now. Um, the, He's uh, not crying for the record. No, yeah, yeah. Well, I got video evidence. Of oh, it. okay, right. And I told Josh, I'm like, this is going to be the one time I talk to somebody, and it's going to, the tables are going to turn. And I I felt it. I felt it. On I didn't Sunday. even touch the table. I no, no, no. I no. didn't touch the fucking I table. <laughs> I didn't.
1: I didn't turn this conversation around. You're the one who said. That you cry at church. What am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, yeah I don't
0: it. care. Yeah, so about Gary. Who cares? Jesus <laughs> shmeas. Right? Of course
1: I'm going to ask for that because that's that's important. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's a part of who you are. So why would I, you know, anybody want to know about that? And I'm just saying your wife is the, probably the closest person in your life, right? Sure. Okay. Yeah, and she's pregnant with your child. Yes. You're going to cry right now just talking about this. But she would love to know more about that side of you. I'm just guessing. I don't even know who she is.
0: Yeah, I'm sure she would. I'm sure she's seen it too. I just, I can't recall it in the top of my head right now. And it's just, I can tell you the time where, um, the last time she saw it was we were at Thanksgiving and one of the things we do as a family is we we go around the table and everyone talks about what they're That's thankful nice. for. That's nice, right, of course. That'll great, do it. Great thing. That'll and do and it. Josh is part of the family, my audio engineer here. And so when it got to him and I was like, and Josh, I just want to thank you because like we've put a lot of effort into this. Right, know? right. And there was a moment there where it was right, like, all right, right, well, now we're going to start getting Your down Your voice the just cracks. I love
1: seeing that when I interview people and I don't strive for it, but it comes usually organically sure. naturally. But I love when I hear that little thing in somebody's voice and you just know they're getting choked up and they're trying not to. So it's that real it's conflict tough, of. Man. You're feeling this, but then your head's saying this, your heart is saying this, and your head's saying this, and you're going back and forth. That's, that's a moment of beauty in, in any kind of a, a conversation, whether it's public like this, or private, or if you talk to me on the side, or anybody else. I just, I just have a real respect for that, because it's real. Yeah. It's not polished. You're not bullshitting me. If you're tra- if you're fake crying, well, kudos to you, Alan. You know, <laughs> yeah, no for way. for that. But it's not that. And I love those moments. And you don't
0: get those too often. No, yeah. no. It's uh, and they, they like I said, they come so unexpectedly.
1: Yeah, and that's the beauty of that too. Yeah, it's not manufactured. It's not preconceived. It just kind of comes out. You don't even know where it comes from, right?
0: No, I couldn't even. I couldn't even like you said. Like when you're starting to talk about creating this outlet for that, it's like that's. I would love to sit down and think about that. So, as a moment since, of introspection. Since
1: you thought that I turned the tables, possibly on no, you, you did no, yourself, I No, no, I knew it was going to happen because for you curious something else the similar thing. The, the last time I remember that I cried or got upset, and that happened after that, but this is when I remember, is when my brother died. Mm. He passed away in January 21st, 2009, and we went to the hospital to see him, and he was there in the ER and he was already dead. And my mom and my sister were there, and I held it together just fine. then I got on the phone to call my daughter to tell her, or she called me back, and which when I told her is when I got emotional. Make sense?
0: Yeah, because now it's real. I, it's
1: when I verbalized it. Yeah. I internalized it fine, because I have seen so much crap with my job, so to speak, a lot mm-hmm. of death and mayhem and bloody things, whatever. So, But it, only when I express it verbally, that's when I felt my own voice go, uh, uh, uh. And it wasn't there, and that even to me, I was going, "Wow, that's a great experience to have." Uh-huh. So even though it was just moments after he died, and I'm going to crush my daughter by telling her this, my mom is crying in the in the other room, and my sister was there, and his body's there, and all this around me, I'm still thinking as the sociologist or the journalist or the writer, or whoever the observer, let's call observer, mm-hmm. The and voyeur. Thinking, yes, and I'm thinking, man, this makes my voice crack up. You know, and I don't know what it would do, but this is this is the experience it took to make me go. Uh, and I had nothing.
0: Nothing. So there you go.
1: And I just told you that because you shared with me.
0: Nice. Otherwise, I that. wouldn't tell anybody that. <laughs> I thought it was fair. That is fair. That yeah. is fair. Yeah. And, and, uh, and like, it's amazing how, like, in your natural intuition, the first thing you want to do is hold that back. Yeah. Like, you don't want to give in to that. And, and I don't know if that's the guy format of what it's, we it's are. It's mostly, I being... think, a guy format. Yeah,
1: it's a macho machismo thing, and society puts that on us. Don't act this way, act that way. I think sure. that's a big part of it, which is a shame, but that's how it goes. That's one of the conflicts of men, as men, we have, I think, that we have to deal with that. dynamic in us a lot because women can they can at least they may be allowed to or a child can Mm -hmm. but there's especially if you're a guy in a certain age bracket maybe I don't know 24 to 54 I'm 55 so I should be able to cry right now if I want to I'm past that that thing but oddly I'm not I guess you, Plus it's not, I'm not wired that way.
0: Do you feel that accountability, that responsibility on your shoulders as a guy? I know it's a very guy thing to kind of say like, I'll take care of it and I'll fix that. I
1: do. I'm a, I'm a problem solver. I fix things. If it, it took me a while to learn, and I've learned this with Karen, my wife, in the last eight years I've been together, not to always fix things, but just to be there yeah. as a sounding board or console or go, well, that sucks. I'm really sorry because I'm wired to fix it like anything like right, right now if this thing tips over i'll fix it now hold on i got this you know <laughs> if you say that you're crying in church hold on i could fix that you know right. you don't need to cry in church yeah of course it's a guy thing but yeah i'm, I'm always thinking i could fix things
0: have you felt moments in, in your life in particular cuz you said you had a couple kids right 2, Two. 34 and 32 wow um so at what point wow, do you like feel wow like what well no <laughs> wow well it's i say wow because i'm just starting this journey Oh, you know, and so it's kind of opened up my mind a little bit on, on like having children. I was right. like kind of the guy who was always like, yeah, it'll happen when it happens. Yeah. You know, I never really kind of thought about it's it. It's so happening. Now that it's like coming. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah, it's all happening. Thinking of my unborn <laughs> child of being 32 and 34. That's what that wow was. Oh, you know? I see. Um, the, but the accountability issue is like, do you find yourself cutting? I mean, it's like. When it actually matters, not being, like, trying to fix it so much. And since you're such a voyeur and curious person professionally, do you have a hard time sharing that part of you when it comes to the emotional side of it as the guy? Sharing? No, I don't think so. You mean in a personal way? Yeah. No, I don't
1: think so at all. I'm very honest, you know, with my family and, you know, loving, nurturing, caring, all that good stuff. I love that stuff now. I think I've always had it, but I think I repressed it. And I think in maybe previous relationships, it didn't flourish and didn't come out naturally like it's doing now through karen for instance or for my family my mom you know i've been nurtured by women all my life really my mom my wife now my daughter my aunt my grandmas all these women have nurtured me to be this kind of product so that's kind of who i am so i don't really talk with guys much i don't get along generally with guys i don't do pissing matches well Mm -hmm. i don't uh, talk shop very well i mean i could talk sports with you all night if you want to but after like five minutes, I get so bored. I just can't do it anymore. Yeah. So I could talk guy talk with you and I could talk about, you know, chicks over there and how you're going to bang one later and that kind of stuff. And that's fine. But it's really not who I am. I don't deal with guys very well.
0: Yeah. More, with, I women, more with
1: women. I think I relate better to them.
0: And, and that's funny. I have the exact opposite. All I, de- all I uh, grew up with was around guys. Uh. Except for my mom. You know, that was really the only thing. And I had cousins and stuff that were female. But from like a, a day-to-day operational thing, it was right. mainly all men. And so is that
1: where part of the conflict comes when you break down into tears and you don't think you should?
0: Probably, yeah. I think a lot of it. Probably, if you if you really wanted to get psychological, probably comes to my relationship with my dad. Probably uh-huh. more than anything, you know. Is that is you know, he still the, around? Yeah, he is. He's oh. uh, he's actually dealing with a lot of stuff right now. He's uh, we've got like a uh, we inherited a kidney disease. Unfortunately, wow. um, as a group, but uh, you know, it, it passes people. So not everyone gets it. I've heard of inheritances. This is a bad one. <laughs> this is a bad I've one. I've never this heard a bad? phrase like that before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, it's gotten a couple of my family members on the Moskowski side for sure. You know, and there's people who've passed away from it and it's a, uh, it's a real thing. And so he's been on dialysis for like 10 to 12 years. Whoa. That's a big deal. Yeah, sorry yeah. to hear that. I didn't know that. Well, it's a, it's a sad thing, you know, and it's something that I don't always share myself. Where um, does he live? Uh, St. John. Oh, close. Yeah, my, oh. Him, and my, him and my mom are still together, and they've been together for, you know, I want to say at least my age, so 32, Wow. around that time period. And uh, yeah, it's just, he's he found out about it probably 15 years ago, so he's been dealing with it since, and he's had a transplant, didn't take, and now he's back into that mode of oh, things. Oh, sorry just, to hear that. Yeah, it's a it's the human nature, man. It's the human it's the human form at this point. You so know? You, that seed
1: is planted in you. You think? Uh, well, I don't know. We'll find out. The seed of fear is at least right, or doubt, or something, right? Yeah. Because you might have something like that. Maybe. Oh, you don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I see. It, it,
0: we, you, there was a point there where, if you go through the testing, that they. They'll get to a point to where um you they'll, they'll kick you out of a lot of insurance plans by actually getting the testing and proving that you have it. I see. So you, a lot of the doctors give advice of saying, don't even test Don't even test get tested it. for Just it. Just wait I for see. it to kind of pop up. Because once it's there, it's there.
1: Do you view it as a ticking time bomb? No. Do you view it as a motivator in your life to get stuff done now? Because who knows what your future's like? Even no. more than that an existential way?
0: I don't fear death, like most people. Um,
1: yeah, as but a, don't you fear life? Like you want to get everything done you can while
0: you're here? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's why I think that was why you're doing the general probably. thing here. Yeah, yeah right, yeah. let's get
1: this going now. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like
0: there is a ticking clock, and I really want to get that going, but I don't think of the fallibleness of like, and that's not a word. Um, of we're coining words here, I love this. <laughs> we got Just confliction and mo- fallibleness. fallibleness. Um, you know, I, I understand I'm fallible, I understand that there's gonna be a time, but I want to, I'm really kind of racing against being around I, I, for me, it's like that age of like 55 is I kinda of wanna have myself set up and I've wasted that's enough my time. Age. I'm not set up at all. <laughs> I'm sure that's what's around the corner for me. Oh. Okay. Um mentally that's how I prepare myself. You I know? See. Um, and so I I, feel I never like did that.
1: That's good you have a plan. Yeah. You got a lot of plans. When I first met you I thought this guy has plans. You think so? I've never had a plan. <laughs> I still don't have a plan. Well, my plan today was to get here by twelve forty five. That was my plan. That's the only plan I got. And you did it. I did it, so Until
0: you accomplished it. That plan is done. <laughs> no, I'm not a big plans next guy. Thing.
1: You got master plans that you really do. It's pretty impressive.
0: Well, well it's it's part of that process, man. You know, it's try, just not trying to like think of it and try to like focus on what it could be. It's, it's about what's today, you I know. See. And so it's while well, that, that's always in the back of my mind, it's not the forefront. That, that, that and see, that's I have a real hard time with that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, but you you do it all the time, right? You have yeah. a master
0: plan in your head, don't you? Uh, I have a direction. Hell yeah, you do. And I'm ready to pivot if I if necessary to achieve that direction. But I see. right now it's about just it's that sports mentality. It's ingrained. It's it's not about one your, day at a time. One day we're gonna at a do time. the best we can here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give the best effort I got. It's not about my. It's all about your last at bat. Right, you know? right. And so that's that's where it's at. You know, As do you miss one, sports? What's that? Do you miss sports? Um, I miss the camaraderie of it oh yeah i always hear that i always hear athletes say that and i
1: go what because i never had camaraderie so i really never missed it but yeah it's that's what the, they always say
0: it's the moments when you're playing in games that matter those are fun um and when when the you're reaching those points of uh, anxiety and pressure um, right and, and you overcoming it is it's awesome i'll bet um and Can you translate that to what you're doing now yeah 100 the game the biggest game we've played so far is that craft beer contest i see and for me that was uh that, that was a big win Oh, good. And so it felt great about it. Um, oh, good. And then now, now I'm searching for the next big win. Did
1: you hit a homer? Was it a grand
0: rule double? Was it a grand slam? What was that? I think we'll find out. You don't know yet. I don't know yet. The I think, ball's still in the air. Yeah, the analytics tell me it was, a, it, it, we hit it well. Oh, good. That's well, good. It's a it good well. feeling, how isn't it? How far it goes is up to that, you well, know? look at you. Yeah, Um. so we'll see what happens with it. I, I think there, I think the one thing that, like, this stuff comes in waves, I think we'll find out Um. how the response was from the breweries, because that matters. I see. Um, and the general public, I think, is going to figure it out and how we continue to grow from it. I see. You know, so I th- we'll find out. Well, I think that's why... When we were talking before, is like that sixty days is so important for us.
1: Yeah, you're at a crucial kind of window, aren't you? Yeah, because yeah. it's
0: got to take. It's if good it for doesn't you. take, we're this whole thing's blowing up. It's exciting, isn't it though? Yeah. Do you have like a nervous excitement? Yeah, I was. Uh, man, again, I knew this was going to happen. What? I'm just. I, it's, it's all. It's all my sociology at this point. No, no, I no. knew. I knew you're going to do it to me. I didn't do anything. To you. I'm, just,
1: <laughs> I'm just curious. I know. You mentioned amazing. craft beer, and I
0: don't even drink beer. I, I know, hate beer. I'm still I talking know. about it. <laughs> <clears throat> um. So what was the
1: question one more time? Why do you believe in God? No, it's no. not. That was not Sorry, it. Wrong question. Um, how long
0: have you? No. <laughs> no. What was that? Where were we going It doesn't that, matter. Man? No, it doesn't. I'm trying to think of where that, where that conversation edit. was happening. Cut. No, edit. No, we'll, no way. We don't edit these We'll things. tweak right out I don't, of not I refuse to edit them. <laughs> Unless it's something crazy. Last Sunday, I edited because uh, in, in a matter of 48 hours, I mentioned on my podcast of how um, effeminate I looked off on camera and oh, I had no idea funny. and so then that turned into like uh, I didn't want anybody to perceive that that might be gay bashing in any possibility or that's a bad thing looking feminine just wasn't like what what you I, thought I yourself self no that. that would look like and yeah. then the next day we're having a race conversation with Desmond Alze a great guy at like another podcast so it's like within 48 hours I've hit two major <laughs> pulses I of see. stories and I was like well maybe we should take the uh, feminine hands thing out oh you know and really? so we did yeah I feel bad about it really. Yeah. So it was your hands that you saw, or just I, your look? I had no idea. Like we got on the camera, and we was like shooting that craft beer video, and then next thing you know, it's like, wow, I had no idea how gay I look sometimes.
1: <laughs> and that shouldn't be bad, right?
0: I don't think that's bad. I yeah. mean, I but I,
1: it's not your self image. That's your point, you right? Didn't, you didn't have it's that.
0: Not, it's not what's in my in my DNA when I'm thinking about myself mentally. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. and so it's it was like it was I hate listening to myself
1: and seeing myself. So you know it. I hate it. So do you avoid it? I do as much as I can. I did like this TV lakeshore focus show about the best stories of 2017 yeah at lakeshore and i can't watch it i haven't watched it. i'm not going to watch it so just not going to do. yeah i don't want to see myself i don't want to hear myself in the radio show i I hated listening to the radio shows being played back oh i'm I'm not gonna listen to this
0: same here (laughs) same here i mean i make josh listen to it all
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's sad though but it's so true because i think uh, my self-image doesn't reflect what my real image is and that happens with anybody i mean my 16-year-old daughter came back from school and said she heard her voice or something and she didn't think she sounded like that and I go, "Yeah, you sound just like that."
0: It's amazing, right? And you
1: go, "Yeah, you do." And "No, I don't." "Yeah, you do." And That's just, yeah. <laughs> I think we all have that."
0: So do you read your own columns after the project?
1: Oh, I definitely do that. Okay, so yeah, that's a different. I definitely one. do that. The first thing I do, I would make sure uh, if anything was changed or altered or edited, I want to know what was changed and how I could have done it better or what mistake I may have made. Yeah. Or-
0: so do you want to do you want to take a lot of gimmies? Like is there one, Is there one particular story that you look back on and like, "Man, I wish I would have had a different tilt?
1: Oh, um, no. You know, the first column that I wrote for the Post-Tribune was on a double murder that took place. Um, A husband and wife were estranged, and uh, he allegedly stabbed her to death and she was pregnant with their child. (sighs) And that was the first column. It was like a huge, like 3,000-word thing. That was my opening to Post-Tribune kind of thing. And uh, when I wrote that, the mother of the convicted man who did the deed called me that morning when it ran and said you know you betrayed me and I thought you were gonna write something nice about my son you wrote this about my son and that was a real introduction of what a columnist is and I felt bad so I contacted her back we met since then we've we've got along fine now we're even Facebook friends you know that kind of stuff but when that day happened I went man I really could have reworded some things there but I'm really glad I didn't in a way the day I thought so but it took some time to realize no what I said was honest and real, and how I meant it. How do you come to peace with that? I don't know if I do. I yeah. don't have a lot of peace sometimes. Yeah. 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 Is that that conflict?
0: Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. do you? So do you have any kind of um like I guess ways to channel that and kind of get that energy out of your system? I keep writing. That's the writing. That's my writing. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah.
1: yeah I need to keep writing. Um, like I told you earlier, I think you know every day I write a thousand words for something, give or take a column or social media, magazine stuff. And the, when I was working on the books, I had to. All that kind of stuff. So I think all that kind of pours out and it helps me. Otherwise, I don't know what outlet I'd have.
0: That's one thing I miss is writing every day. i got to get back to it, even if it's just some bullshit blog. Nah. Just to kind of get it off. So my you're chest. saying I'm a bullshit blog? No, I don't even.
1: I got your inference. Yeah, that's what it on. was directly directed at <laughs> you.
0: For me, a bullshit blog, and I, I'm already I'm already shortchanging my, my my the way I can even do it. So don't even say that. that don't
1: it. don't let my negativity rub off on you like that. No, it's
0: not negativity. I think you're I think you probably, probably never called yourself teased. bullshit
1: stuff at all ever. You probably oh, until no. I sat down here.
0: I'm a big bullshitter. Oh, okay. yeah, that's that's uh that's one of my my uh, my weaknesses. Yeah, me too. I guess <laughs> we have to be when we're as curious as we are. I guess to some extent. So. There was one thing I wanted to ask you. Sure. And as being a guy who's been around uh, since, we'll say, '94, just to make it a specific date. Okay. And then till today, we're, and you've, so you've seen both sides of print media in particular. And I have, like I said, my favorite film of all time is Citizen Kane. Oh, wow. I'm a huge journalist guy, I love it. Um, and so I'm interested to hear your takeaway uh, or your take on that industry in particular. I know that's a big question. Well, and, uh, just generally
1: well, speaking, I think I missed the heyday. I think I got into things late. We still had uh, things were bustling and mm-hmm. cliché and, and all the excitement and bigger offices and all that kind of stuff, but And so what I does that heyday I, look like? I think like a Citizen Kane heyday. I mean, that's the real kind of heyday, but you know, even back in the 70s and the DC and the Nixon stuff and, you know, just bustling newsrooms and your and your quest for the quest for truth and you're going to search and investigate it and people think that way there's a lot of journalists who still want to do that I've never been like that my truth is different than other people's truth I don't want to get to an investigation I don't want to investigate things I want to investigate truth so to speak so I don't care about politics and those kind of issues so I'm not your typical journalist to ask this question to because I like just to answer questions and and explore things that people are kind of curious about but to get back to journalists I know you asked that question um, I think it's um, uh, sad in a way because of where we're at today especially these days under yeah. the Trump in America and fake news and don't trust media and we're lying and all that which is a real shame to hear I mean I laugh it off because I have to and because I'm wired that way just to laugh things off I mean I don't take anything he says seriously for instance and I don't buy into all that stuff but it's amazing that um, you know a country of lemmings Uh, can buy into that stuff and believe it to be true with either alternative facts or fake news so that just hurts our credibility and it hurts the newspaper industry in general but as you know print readership is dying going a slow death and it's hard to find people who pull up a newspaper and a cup of coffee every morning and read the paper and they want to talk about it they see it online I can't even get my own kids to read my stuff in a newspaper it's like what is this piece of paper you give me you know send it to me on my phone so that kind of thing so I get that yeah. But that's how it goes. I think we have more readers than ever before, um, but just not print readers. So we really? have to change this dynamic. Yeah. I've, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I think ever in our history of, of mankind, we've had more readers than ever before. People are reading more and more, but not print and not always specifically newspapers, as you know, social media and other forms to get your news. Does that makes sense. So, yeah, absolutely. So my business is maybe dying. I don't think it'll die. I think, you know, I'll still be around. It's just changing and morphing. That's why I think try to think more visually with my stuff. I try to take videos for some of my columns and a lot of photos, paint pictures, and offer people context, something they can't get with right. just facts, it's context. I'm a big fan of context. Put things in perspective. Even if it's my perspective, if you disagree with it, fine. Disagree with my perspective. Sure. I don't mind at all, but at least it's a perspective as opposed to just the just the facts, ma'am,
0: kind of stories. And, and you know, I'm not going to speak for you, but just your truth of that day, of what you feel about that subject in that moment, Right, yeah, so right. you're being authentic and saying right. like that's how I feel, and that might change in five years, but at least at that moment, that's your that's a document of your exactly your mentality, and that's
1: all I got to offer, really. Yeah, to be
0: honest, I don't have much more than that. It's just it's such an interesting field because it is dying, and it clearly the, the, we know that the sales are down, and we 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 pretty much judge it by death when it comes to revenue. Right, right, and so there's always that like, how do we fix this? And so I'm interested to kind of hear how these newspapers are even trying, like, what's their attempts at it? Like, what's their. I, I see digital advertising. Like, I, I go to, you, of it's course. impossible to go to NWI.com, uh, any,
1: any, any newspaper any. website. You'll see Banner pops. They pop up left yeah. and right. You got to click things off. You got to answer questions. In surveys. It's yeah, like, I don't know what's
0: going on at this point. And so, where do they? Where? How do they change that to make it more like, I guess, formidable to the person ingesting? I
1: it? don't know how they do it. And they're trying to monetize it. Now they're trying to make a buck off it. They have to. Remember back in the days when it was free, everything was free. Yeah. Not anymore. So try to make a buck off of all that. I don't know how they. Do it. I'm glad it's not part of my thing. All I do is do my writing and hope people read it and hope people view it enough to have worth. Well, they'll spend money on it. Because even when I post stuff on my social media sites, and I say go to my Chicago Tribune webpage because I have my own webpage and I kind of funnel people there. But they go, well, I've been there 10 times this month and they kick me off unless I get a subscription. And I go, well, there's the litmus test, right? <laughs> there's the moment of truth. Am I worth paying for some of my work or not? Do you want to pick up a Post Tribune and pay it whatever it costs, a buck or buck 50 to read my stuff and other stuff, including Marmaduke and Quicklies and other stuff? Is it worth it to you or not worth it to you? It's kind of interesting.
0: So I do ask people that. Do you think people have that ability to to kind of invest in that relationship with the writer as they used to? Uh, they do with me.
1: Okay. They do with me. I mean, I, I pride myself on personal relationships with people. And when they get back with me and they'll say, you know, I, I pick up your newspaper, I want to read them really quickly. So I'll see your column and I'll see this and I'll see that. And I go, well, thank you very much. And, you know, I mean, I want to be, in many ways, I'm kind of like the tip of the spear because you can't talk to editors as, as easily. And other reporters, easily, but people know who I am. Right. They generally know what I look like. They know who I work for. I mean, when we were having problems with making deliveries of newspapers, people asked me, "Can you deliver a newspaper?" And I did. <laughs>
0: really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah,
1: because you know you don't want to let your customer down, so to speak. So that's sure. just how the business is.
0: Do you think um, so? You see this a lot in television, in particular, is that these major conglomerates have gotten over, and they've got like, say, Sinclair Broadcast Group, right? Um, they probably own two hundred stations at this point. the The relationship between um, those journalists and those people that are on the air are kind of getting watered down because it's kind of repeating the same messages. And the Lee Enterprises, in particular, I don't know about the ownership of of the Post because I just don't. I'm not familiar. Um, but there, there's like you know they're buying up these these newspapers left and right. I think Lee's got at least what seven. I have no idea. They used to because I used to
1: work for Lee and the Times for ten years, and right. then I work for the Post-Tribune now for ten or eleven years. And now Chicago Tribune owns us, so that's our owner's Tribune Media. Gotcha. Okay. And that's,
0: so, so you got that component of it from the and print they, side. And they
1: bought us up from the Sun Times with all these other daily suburban papers in, in the suburbs of Chicago. So we were part of that buy-up. But I was thankful of it.
0: Because I wasn't sure if I was gonna have a job or not
1: if they right. didn't, if they didn't pick us up. So I have mixed feelings on that too.
0: Well, and these and the, and that's where I'd love to hear it because the popular media is like when it comes to television, that's getting all taken over by practically a, a, like a majority ownership across the country. Right, and there there. Bernie Madoff's of the world are taking over, and then you've got it from the from the print side, and then you also got it from the radio side. It's like you, the personality of a radio the disc jockey right. is way out. Every station plays the same songs it seems like for it, an hour, it? Yeah. and so it's become so saturated and so watered down, which and is probably the end for you, it.
1: Maybe, or maybe it's just you have to morph and change. I don't view like the end. I don't really talk in absolutes too much. Right. Going back to sociology again. Sure. I really don't believe in absolutes this is it. And it's over. And the end's the beginning. I just think of morphing and changing and transitioning. So I'm just trying to transition in my field the best
0: I can do. Yeah. And does what does that, make that sense? pivot look like? Yeah. Because it's a pivot. It's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a creative pivot and it's a, a structural pivot. And right. so how do you pivot into kind of evolving that into, I guess, the modern day of what, the, what that looks like from a media standpoint when it's got that much of a heavy hand behind it?
1: I just hope people still want to read my work. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all I can do is I'm not I mean, I think big picture a lot, but I have no control over the big picture. That's right, why I joke right. about it so much. I could joke about Trump being in office because I don't. It doesn't affect me. I mean, just, I can't affect anything. I have no, uh, you know, I have no power over anything. I'm powerless. So having that powerless position is very freeing because I know that I can't do shit about anything, and I and I, it's fine with me. So people are always raging. Look on social media; they're raging oh, at things. They want to change chest. the world, you oh, know, yeah. but they don't do anything really. We're just lazy people, lazy lummings. We just sit and complain. It's, it's true. We, do. we get fat. We don't do anything. We complain.
0: It's who we are. But I'm, I'm sure you have some opinions on what that looks like and what kind of changes that the current system could do. To I may make have opinions,
1: bit... but they're just uneducated opinions. They're not
0: uneducated. Trust You're me, a they're professional uneducated. in the field. You that, know, that, that man. Doesn't, that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make me
1: educated. Professional. Well, it makes I you, know a lot of uneducated professionals. At least you in have an every opinion, field,
0: know about it.
1: I guess, but it's it, it just not worth our talking about, my, my opinion okay. on that. It's just something that I really, I have I don't know the, what's really going on. I would love to know and be in a position of power to have an idea of influence and what's going on, but I don't even have that. So all I can control is my words. That's really all I control. Sure, sure. It's, and that's going back to your athletic cliche thing. Well, I'm just going to go up to bat and do the best I can. That's all I do. I go up to bat and do the best I can every day. And, One day at a time. And I hope I hit a couple of uh, drag bunts. <laughs> Some days my, anyway drag, on. my columns are dragged, but it's anyway, <laughs> on. Sometimes I get a grand <laughs> roll double. It bounces over the fence. All right, you know I don't remember the last home run I had, and grand slam—that's like a rumor, you know. Yeah. So I have no <laughs> idea how that works at all. Yeah. So that's the truth. So I just go out there, put my word out there, and I do all my different ways to get my word out. As you know, like you know, the magazines, the columns. I used to have the radio show, um, the books, whatever you never it takes. This, this, you know. I appreciate you having me on here. This is a nice forum. I'm, I'm impressed by you. Oh, I appreciate and, I, and that. I'm impressed by this in you know, a venue that you're 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 making. You're making something from nothing. Yeah, yeah. It's like this house. It smells new. So does everything. Smells new. You smell new. This idea smells new. The whole thing. If I was writing a column, that'd be my lead. Really. I walked into your house, and it smells new. And everything here smells new. It smells great.
0: Interesting. Yeah. That's a cool perspective. Yeah. I never thought about it like that, but it is exactly what's happening yeah. for sure. Um, it, it just yeah, I guess I get, the reason why I was asking those questions really for me is because I think the, one of the things that because I'm I'm leading I'm I'm leading a charge media wise I guess you know and I'm trying to figure out that um and it's a race to it right it's a race to figuring out how the where, how do you implement those strategies to make it happen and um I, what it feels like from a distance it feels like you know how the Tonight Show is kind of getting stale yeah and people were talking talking about how Jay Leno needed to go and it's kind of dead right and then you took like a a, a talent and a force of like a guy like Jimmy Fallon to kind of revitalize it and I don't right. know if it still kind of stayed up to base and that's what I feel like with the newspaper industry I don't feel like it's dead I don't feel that way I feel like it just needs a shift in perspective what kind of shift um, by who I, that's that, I guess that's the million dollar question I see you know, is what who's kind of gonna shift? be that guy. More interactive with girl. readers or your audience? Yeah, I just think it's so I think what happens is is that the engagement level and I think it happens on a writer standpoint, but I don't think it happens organizationally. I see. I don't think that editor is going out there and ha- building a lot of those relationships because his, his work day is inundated with just the a heck yeah sick workflow that it, they're yeah, doing. You it know? is, yeah. Right. And so those relationships from the top down, I think that's where they that's where the the, the, the fracture I is see. from the relationship side. And I don't think that the content, while the print is an amazing concept like a focus, and it's a great way medium and platform to get that information out. I don't think it's the most engaging when it comes to our time and the people that, are, when we know it's been tracked, I see. that their that their attention spans going from eight to six seconds, right? You know, and so from that component is figuring out ways that we can engage people from the objective perspective because that's what journalism supposed to be supposed to be supposed to right. be and so how do you do that i think that's going to take a, a real uh tour de force to make that change and
1: that's above my pay grade to understand <laughs> or to make that happen for sure but
0: that's just my opinion i mean from a distance as an observer
1: it's a good opinion that's what pro- promptly was prompted this right yeah
0: you want, you want to have that engagement this you're I, engaging I, i'm not a, i'm not I, I will never say anything bad about uh lakeshore i think it was great i think uh, there was a lot of great experiences from there but this is born from the repressive forces of that of, of that antiquated system. I see. And so I've had three years to have these thoughts and observe and try to think of ways I would do it differently.
1: And now you get to actually manifest it, and make it happen. Isn't that a great feeling? Great feeling. Yeah. Great right. feeling.
0: But now it's getting everybody else to believe in you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you got to you got to yeah. sell
1: yourself. Do you feel you're selling yourself at times?
0: Uh. So or are I think you selling I'm, an idea? I'm getting more comfortable with it. I see. Um, there was a conversation I had a couple of days ago of a guy who I was hoping to kind of uses is uh, not use, but it's funny that I would use that word. Um, I, more of just kind of like have give him a platform to kind of become talent. Uh-huh. In what we're doing, and then I found myself in the conversation kind of saying, you know what, um, I'm not going to give my soul to this guy just to get him to do things. Oh, you know, I and so there's it's it's a growing, it's a maturity stage. It's uh, it'll it, again, I think that 60 days is going to do a lot of difference. Wow, you know,
1: I've never thought of that in my life like 60 day time frame that would really scare the hell out of me
0: it is it's a uh, uh, I had Julia Heisman on here last week and uh, she was such an awesome conversation for me the perfect time I needed because I didn't even realize how stressed I was <laughs> if that makes any sense yeah Right. you're getting caught up on the day-to-days and like you're just taking on so much it feels like accountability and weight and and then to have those like moments where you can step out of your body and be like oh, you know what shit I am really really not doing myself any favor stress-wise huh and so, yeah, I, I, those those goals are there. But I feel like I'm coming to terms with it.
1: What's your ultimate hope for this?
0: Um, so, well, <laughs> Publicly, I don't know if I want to share it, honestly. Um, and the only reason why is because I don't – I think the idea is when we're talking about the race to figuring this whole thing out, I think I'm on to it. I just I, – I, I don't know what it looks like right now. I see. And so I don't want to kind of give anybody – the upper hand. I see. Who's smarter than I am that can figure it out faster. Gotcha. (laughs) Don't lose leverage. Yeah, exactly. I have no problem telling you that off air. But um when it comes to this, I don't yeah, I don't know how how what it looks like right now. I know what I know the system that needs to be in place, but I just don't know what it looks like and how it can be implemented. But it
1: feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. It feels right, doesn't it? Yeah, it
0: it, I just need to figure out ways to keep the boat afloat for a while. Yeah, right. (laughs) You know. Um and that's and and that's been really the fun part about it is is like to see that reaction. So like it is giving me some validity. um, of what's been happening good for you congrats thanks again man it's just you know it's hard because it's like you, being humble is a major component of being a human being and so you don't want to buy too much into your own bullshit yeah I'm too old to do that you know it's that, I'm a, I'm a half ass media guy Ah, uh, stop! it. now you're stealing my stuff for sure. <laughs> Definitely stole. <it. laughs> yeah. Definitely stole. it. from now on, I'm going to be the half-assed everything. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. it's the truth. It is. It is. And so yeah, that's what. Where do you? So I mean, where do you see it going? I mean, that's you got to have some kind of an opinion. But I know you're writing a lot of pieces, and you're it looks like you're expanding your boundaries a little bit. You're with. You, you did it just a piece for here. Right? Yes. And so that's kind of a newer aspect of the region media-wise. Right. Um, where do you see it going? I know you're doing some video components that you said that you, you showed me the app last time we talked. Right. Of how you can kind of it kind of edit it for you. Right. Um, right. So where do you see this whole thing going? Do you see it being more story-driven through video, or do you see it being... Well, I think, of-
1: fortunately, that beyond all the high-tech stuff that you're talking about, and the algorithms and analytics and all the stuff that I... The verbies that I really can't talk with you about, I think it all comes down to storytelling. And I think from... Shakespeare to CSI, we all love sitting around a campfire and listening to a story be told to us, and these days the campfire is a computer screen keeping us warm, put our hams over it like this, tell us a story, give us a conflict, give us a resolution, send us to bed at night a little bit happier than we were, a little bit hopeful, and I think that's timeless, that's universal, that story I think timeless, That's and I think that'll transcend all this high tech stuff you're talking about. So if I could still give people, give readers, give customers, give whoever that universal need that human need they crave, they want it. It's in your DNA. It's in all of our DNA. Then I think I still have a job.
0: Awesome. I think that's a great place to end. <laughs> that, is the, that is, if there's anything that people should be left with, that is it: the yeah. art of storytelling and how how important that is.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Alan.
0: Do you have a? Uh, do you have just for my own, um, you know, curiosity? Do you have any favorite authors or any any books in particular that kind of move you? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> And I had to go step on the great ending <laughs> by, by asking a bad question. Um, so is there, uh, what, do, what do you want kind of readers, where can they find you? Where, where can they kind of look that stuff up? Uh, they could find me on the Post, in the Post-Tribune uh,
1: locally. Uh, I have a Chicago Tribune webpage. Um, Facebook, all the social media sites, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. I have a blog. I write for a few magazines. I've got my books out. I don't know. I'm all over the place. You are. Yeah. You they could find me. Just look look me
0: up. And once they become friends with you on Facebook, be ready, because you're gonna get eight to ten pieces a day. Yeah. You're getting content. <laughs> I'm, you're sorry. Getting content. I'm sorry. You're getting content. I'm sorry in advance. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um so Jerry, thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, it was Alan. it was awesome having you and it's everything that I was hoping for. I hope so. It was, it, and more. It all might right. be I I don't wanna shortchange any other interview we've had, but it's been my one of my favorites. Ah, uh, thanks. So I appreciate uh, thank it. Thank you for that. Okay. Um and you feel free to come on anytime you want. I hope and I might be back. Oh yeah, I will. It's your house. Yeah. <laughs> maybe we got to figure out ways now that we've got the intro out of the way, the intro pod out of the way. Right. Maybe we can now get more topical as times goes on. And, you know, and maybe see love where that. that goes.
1: Yeah. Cool. Let's peel the onion.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again for coming in, um, guys. You can find us at uh, Local 219 on Facebook, Local 219 on Instagram, and Local Underscore Two and Nine on uh, Twitter. Um, thanks for checking in with us. And uh, if you have anything else, um, we will uh, talk to you next week. Three, two, one, (laughs) out.